The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Friday edition of PFTOT and Chris Sims. Oh, the button's buttoned again. But, I, well, I, you know, the bet was only for the two hours. So you are allowed to go buttoned for PFTOT. Thank you, and boss. It, this literally is PFTOT because we tripped onto something in our final seconds, literally on the air on Friday, and we almost ran out of time talking it through. So let's continue with the thing that popped into my head as we were talking about the Saints' backup quarterback situation. Taysom Hill has looked better than Teddy Bridgewater so far this preseason. The Panthers, in the same division, have a specific need if Cam Newton has an injury that will last into the regular season. The backup quarterback positions in Carolina, not stellar. Teddy Bridgewater has the connection to Norv Turner, who was the offensive coordinator for the first two years that Teddy Bridgewater was in Minnesota. Could it be that the Saints and the Panthers would do a trade for Teddy Bridgewater? You know, the Eagles in Washington once did a trade for Donovan McNabb, so right. it's not unprecedented. The Bills and the Patriots, right? Where did Drew Bledsoe go That's after right. he was supplanted by Tom Brady? Good he went one. to Buffalo. Yeah. So, I hey, if the price is right, the Saints would do it, I would think, especially if it gives Sean Payton an easy way out of a difficult spot where it becomes clear that Taysom Hill is the better option than Teddy Bridgewater. So I, 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 I think that it's not something that we should scoff at. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, uh, you, we, you stumbled upon it. It was a great thought by you. I hear you all the way. Uh, we talked a lot about, about the, the Panthers' backup quarterback situation. Scary. It, it really is. And that's not an indictment on Will Greer. He could be a fine player going into the future. The, the facts of the situation are he's young. Uh, he's young. He came from an offense that was a spread offense, and he's orchestrating a different offense now. Kyle Allen's certainly not going to give you the confidence that he can just take over the reins and go with it from there. This is the thing I look at, Mike, right? And I'm just trying to put myself in, like, Sean Payton's shoes. Taysom Hill uh, certainly looks better than Teddy Bridgewater to me, and especially last week. And I know Bridgewater was sick and all that, and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt to a degree I'm going to, to a degree. But if you make Taysom Hill the backup quarterback, right, they need to find somebody else, too, in New Orleans because – or they have to stop doing the Taysom Hill gadget plays and he can't play on special teams and do that. They'll have to maybe reorganize Good Good or point. do something like it, that. Yeah. You got to protect him at that point because right. if he gets injured, then you're screwed. Right, right. So that's just the one yeah. thing that pops through my brain there when I go, okay, so if the Saints are going to do that, then they better get started on a guy that they can sign to feel, okay, he can be our backup in case Taysom Hill you know, gets a ding shoulder when he's running up the middle on a, a power run play or something like that. But – uh, either way, I think Carolina needs to exhaust all options on this one if, if it gets to that yeah. point. And and if there's that opportunity there for Teddy Bridgewater to play and he desperately wants to play, you know, and again, we don't know how serious the Cam Newton injury is, but you could have a clamoring from Bridgewater and a request from Bridgewater to let me go to a team 
that will let me play, much like Adrian Peterson two years ago in, in, in New Orleans when he was unhappy with his role. Eventually, they found a trading partner for him. All right, uh, maybe a trading partner will be necessary for Brian Hoyer out of New England because, Chris, you've seen some indications based upon preseason rep distribution that maybe Jared Stidham, the rookie from Auburn, is in the process of leapfrogging Hoyer as the number two guy behind Tom Brady. I, I do think, you know, signs are there. I mean, first off, Stidham, as you've seen, Mike, has been really impressive. I mean, he has. And, uh, you know, it doesn't get the attention maybe uh, Daniel Jones does because he wasn't the sixth pick of the draft, but really uh, – up in that type of conversation for me for what he's done and how he looks and some of the quality of the throws and decisions he's made. And the fact that he came in last night after Brady and got to play with the ones and do all that just made me think that, yeah, maybe they are setting it up or think he can realistically be the backup and they wanted to see how he can handle that situation. I don't know if that means they only keep two quarterbacks uh, and maybe they let Hoyer go or do something of like that. Maybe Hoyer becomes trade bait for the Carolina Panthers now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. But either way, Stidham, I do think, is impressed enough to where the Patriots are certainly thinking about making him the backup for this season. Bill Belichick was asked after the game what went into the decision to not play Brian Hoyer and give all those extra reps to Jared Stidham and Belichick in his typical candid fashion. We do what we think is best for the team. We take a look at everybody. Brian's played a lot of football. So they know what they have in Brian yes, Hoyer. Right. And they're trying to figure out what they have in Jared Stidham, and maybe they have enough that he could be the number two guy. And you're right. It does put Hoyer in play to be traded somewhere. And Hoyer is a guy, he's almost like Josh McCown light, right? He's been on a bunch of different right, teams. Right. He's never, you know, and it seems like every time he has a chance to play, he gets a concussion, he gets injured, something happens. Remember when the Browns felt like they were having their rebirth a few years ago? Yep. And Hoyer, who is from that area, suffered a torn ACL on a Thursday night. I mean, there's just, you know, there's always something that happens when Brian Hoyer gets his chance, but uh, maybe there's going to be an opportunity somewhere else. One place where there won't be an opportunity for Brian Hoyer or Teddy Bridgewater or Colin Kaepernick, the Miami Dolphins, because they have two guys. They're trying to figure out which one will be the starting quarterback between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. What do you see so far? I mean, I, I think this is going to be a situation where whoever wins the job week one is eventually going to get benched, and then that guy's going to get pinched, and then the first guy's going to get rebenched. They're going to be banging back and forth between Fitzpatrick and Rosen all year. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it hasn't been pretty uh, at moments for either one of these quarterbacks. And last night, especially in the first half of Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was not good. I mean, they, they can't feel great about that situation and the way the offense has looked to this point. But yeah, there's been no clear-cut winner uh, as far as, oh, this guy's put their stamp. I'm going to be the starting quarterback. I do think Rosen shows more potential to be big time in some of the plays and throws he makes. I, I definitely do see that. But it might be one of those situations, Mike, where you bring it up. You're right. We might be going back and forth or a little bit. I think if it's even close or if even Rosen just barely has the lead, I think I would start Ryan Fitzpatrick knowing that at some point we're going to throw Josh Rosen in there and he's going to get a chance to really show what he has. Uh, this is a guy that they're, they're hoping can maybe be the franchise guy in the future, and maybe you don't want to just throw him out there in week one, a guy who's in his second – NFL team, second year, second system. You know, UCLA changed coaches when he was there. He had a deal with that as well to where maybe they don't want to throw him out in the fire early on, let Ryan Fitzpatrick take some of the lumps, get the team organized a little bit, and see what direction they're going in. Then you throw Josh Rosen in. The fact that Rosen hasn't come in and taken over 
right? Yeah. I, I think that that already tells us what we need to know about the future of the quarterback position in Miami. This is a one-year experiment with Fitzpatrick and Rosen, Rosen and Fitzpatrick. Now, Rosen could stick around as the backup after this year. He's got an affordable contract, but I think the signs are now pointing toward Miami doing something in 2020 that doesn't involve one of those two guys being the starter. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair at this point. I, I do think Rosen will have one last say in the matter, right? Uh, where he'll get a chance, and if he can if he can blow the doors off to where they go, damn, okay, this guy, you know, he's better than we thought, and he's throwing balls all around the field and making good decisions, then maybe he can do that. The one thing I look at with with their situation too, and, and I know we talk about this a lot, their early season schedule, Mike, it is brutal. It's Ravens, Patriots, at the Cowboys, and then the Chargers. And that's that's tough. That's where I probably err on Ryan Fitzpatrick knowing, hey, we're not going to the Super Bowl this year. We're a team that's in total rebuild mode. Maybe we just let Fitzpatrick get out there, take some lumps, kind of get us going, and then you get a Rosen in there and see what he's got. Yeah, I, I agree with you because, look, they're going to want to try to win. You put your best foot forward with the guy you have. Yes, that's right. And then you just adapt and adjust. But uh, this is all pointing toward Tua Tonga-Vailoa or some equivalent quarterback next year. And, right. and, you know, the Dolphins have gone through what the Steelers went through between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger. From Dan Marino, 20 years later, you don't have a franchise quarterback. It's hard to be a consistent contender, and that's what we've seen out of Miami. And I think their job, number one, it's easier said than done, find a franchise quarterback. All right, last topic for today, Chris. And, you know, we know the preseason's meaningless, and people complain about the preseason being meaningless, and it really doesn't matter who wins and loses these games. And at one point, I actually suggested if we want to make the preseason even marginally relevant, use preseason record as the, the tiebreaker right above coin toss. You know, we, there's 10 other tiebreakers, but at least put it on there. So at least give it some, and people go crazy when you suggest that. So it's meaningless. So why am I reading quotes from John Harbaugh and Trace McSorley, the rookie jack-of-all-trades in Baltimore, that they've got a 16-game preseason winning streak in Baltimore, and it actually means something. It doesn't mean anything. Why is anyone putting any significance whatsoever? Why do they even read the scores of the games except for the degenerate gambles? gamblers? Nobody cares about who wins and loses in the preseason, and I don't care that the Ravens have won 16 in a row. If you really want to win 16 in a row, it's not all that hard to win 16 in a row because typically the other team doesn't care if they win or if they lose. Yeah, no, you know, again, I think the big picture thing is it's not like oh gosh we're killing it in the preseason but still coaches and players want to win those preseason games they do it, it gives a better vibe even though it's meaningless and I know it's meaningless to the fans and to the big picture of the season and all that I think of the very basic fundamentals of it though I do look at it like this as the Baltimore Ravens it just is it shows you John Harbaugh his leadership they go out there and compete and they're physical and they're the bullies on the field and even though the preseason's basic we know that the the Ravens are one of those teams Mike that I always say if a bar fight broke out with 32 teams in the NFL the Ravens are going to be in the final four or five I can promise that when they come off the bus you go holy crap look at this team whoa look at that big sucker whoa look at that big sucker and you just keep saying that and I think that's where in the basic preseason games where there's not a lot of like trickery and schematics, it kind of just shows that they're the bigger, more physical team on a on a week to week basis in preseason football. You know, it's funny. Last week when Big Cat was on, we had a draft of the head coaches we would want with us heading into a fight. 
and we didn't even mention John Harbaugh. Oh, should have. You should, we have. should have. He's looking he for spent a fight. <laughs> a, he has spent a lifetime with a smile on his face. He has spent a lifetime fighting Jim. Yeah, right. He's a guy who would be ready to scrap at the drop of a hat. No I, doubt. I, I still, I, I still. It means it's, nothing. When I see You're this, right. This, but listen to the quote from Tra- Trace McSorley. I think it means a lot. At the end of the day, winning is what matters. Coach Harbaugh preaches winning all the time. And, and uh, you know, I've seen the clip, the team, like after the Vikings beat the Seahawks the other night, the guys from the Vikings running across the field waving goodbye to the Seahawks. I mean, you know, I guess you're in uniform and it feels like a game and you get caught up in it, right? If, if you get caught up in playing pickup basketball, that's not meaningful. You get that's caught in right. competition. That's so, right, Mike. That's what it is. And it, and it is setting a culture a little bit. You know, it is winning all the time. And I'm sure Harbaugh, compete, compete, compete. We want to be the tougher team. And the team buys into that uh, more times than not. And I think there is something to respect about that aspect of it, even though I do agree with you. It really doesn't mean a whole lot in the big picture of things. And remember this, as our friends in Detroit well know, the 2008 Lions were 4-0 and in the preseason and then went on to go 0-16 That's right. in the regular season. All right, uh, our preseason is ending. Uh, we're on the same track as the NFL, and we will be there in Soldier Field in 13 days when things get rolling Packers-Bears. We'll be back Monday with another PFT Live. We'll be updating everything all weekend long at ProFootballTalk.com. Sims, I expect some clicks from you, baby. You know it. I want it. you checking us out. We'll I, keep you up to date on everything. I live there. Don't you worry. I lived there before you gave me this job, but I still live there, so don't worry about it. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. See ya. All right, buddy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.